Hi, I'm Claire. And I'm Tony. And this is PodMed Trendy. So in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about an article titled From Fish Out of Water to New Insights on Navigation Mechanisms in Animals. So excited. (laughs) Yeah, this is an interesting change of pace here. This is a paper done by uh, Gavan et al. And they're from a lab out at the University of uh, Negev in Israel. And so this paper is really interested in uh, investigating the act of animal uh, navigation and migration. So these are really important attributes, not only for people uh, (laughs) who don't have access to a map, but also for just animals in general who are doing things like finding shelter, returning to areas where they had successfully hunted or foraged for food, mating habitats, everything as such. I think like the really common example of this that people always talk about is like salmon returning to where they hatched Mm. uh, like upstream to lay their own eggs. And so they kind of wanted to investigate this in a very particular set of environments. So a lot of these navigation studies have been done in various animal models within their own natural terrain but with different attributes to it like adding or taking things away or moving the target of interest, things like that. They wanted to investigate this using a process called domain transfer methodology, where they took an animal out of its natural habitat and put it into a habitat that it would never actually exist in. And to see if these navigation skills, if they are environmental or ecological system um, or brain structure uh, specific, like Mm -hmm. can an animal that lives in water actually navigate on land and vice versa because they don't have certain neurological attributes that are able to navigate within a 3D space versus a 2D plane, if that makes sense. Uh, Um, Sure. (laughs) So like imagine like if you're a fish, you Uh could go up and down, side, side, forward and backwards. If you're a mouse and you're on just flat ground, you could really only go forward, backwards, side, and side. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't fly or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So they they (laughs) wanted to investigate, like, if those were dependent factors, like your skills in navigation and investigating your surrounding environment is dependent on these inherent structures of of an animal, or if they were independent of those things. That is to say, if you got a mouse to somehow be able to breathe underwater, would it still be able to navigate successfully? Like, from a little scuba hat? Yes. Um, They obviously didn't have the technology or just skills to get a land animal to navigate underwater. So they did the opposite instead. They took fish out of (laughs) water and they put them in what is called a FOV, a fish-operated vehicle. (laughs) Um, They had them drive around an actual room that they built to go to certain target sites to get, uh, like, a food reward. So there's a picture that goes with this. Okay. But before I show it to you, I'm going to try to describe it for the listeners. If you ever had an overhead projector (laughs) in like elementary school where they like your teacher would write on those like clear laminate slides and then the light would project from underneath it and it would go through the little like optical lens and shoot up onto the board. That is essentially what this vehicle looks like. It has a heavy base. So instead of the light box on those projectors, it would be just a fish tank and the overhead lens would actually be a camera. And then the thing would be sitting on a little desk with wheels on it. (laughs) And they produced this program. So depending on where in the tank the fish physically is, 
would make the uh, <laughs> tank move in that direction. Oh so imagine a kind of like dance dance revolution <laughs> where if the fish swam forwards into this forward quadrant of the tank, uh -huh. the tank would then be driven forwards. <laughs> Which How is... <laughs> did they get funding for this? <laughs> I don't know, but... I will now show you this picture because I'm I feel so like I, I described it pretty accurately. So here's the tank. <laughs> <laughs> and they had it sitting, I, I forgot to mention this, but they had it sitting on a white tabletop and they had the camera a certain distance away to try to eliminate light uh, being shot up into the lens. So to stop as the fish swims around, like no kind of like glares hitting the lens and okay. causing like a, a false positive for the okay. movement. Okay. They also had the fish only in 15 centimeters of water to also reduce things like light reflection when going, when the image is being projected into the, the computer program to like closely uh, track where the fish is in re relation to the central point or the crosshairs of the middle of the tank. <laughs> and yeah, I'm just imagining a fish being in there for the first time before they do training, just like swimming around and your tank is moving on. Yeah, it was, it's like, honestly, like looking at it was wild. And so now I, I, before we get into the experiments, I want to kind of describe the room that the fish was put into because it wasn't just a square room. Of course not. Um, they wanted to make it slightly difficult to navigate. And by slightly, I mean minimally like difficult, but to add some kind of aspect of difficulty into it. So really just kind of like, if you would imagine a rectangular room that had a little like out pouch. Okay. Um, so, uh, and this like was- Like Utah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, like Utah. Um, and that was to produce an, an area of space that also had a blind spot in it. Oh, so okay. if the fish got stuck in it, <laughs> they couldn't see the rest of like a, a certain chunk of the room. Gotcha. And that was to say that like, if they lost sight of the visual target, would they still be able to find it if they couldn't physically see it anymore? So that's the gist of it. And so they set this up actually in a number of ways. So they, their initial test was they would have a red target painted on the wall or excuse me, mounted on the wall. And they did a first test where they literally just put the fish in the tank, let it like kind of, you know, acclimate to its new water environment for like 15 or so minutes. And then they would put the tank into the room. They gave no pre-training on these fish. So they oh literally gosh. were just like, here is a fish in the world's smallest aquatic environment surrounded in a terrestrial environment okay. with an unspecified target that they don't know the benefit of it. And they uh -huh. wanted to say, would the fish be able to navigate towards that target? Uh -huh. And so in the first test, they would just put the fish in the, in the tank in the room uh -huh. and they would let it go. And then once the fish reached the target, mm -hmm. they would feed it a fish treat. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would repeat the experiment 15 times. Mm -hmm. uh, well, they actually had like a, a set number of times they could do it. Um, over a time course, I think of like 30 minutes. Okay. And they would repeat the experiment as many times as possible in that time limit. And then if the fish ex like got to 20, uh, a set number of times it could do it um, over a time course, I think of like 30 minutes. Okay. And they would repeat the experiment as many times as possible um, within that time limit. And then if the fish ex like got to 20 uh, successful 
um, movements to the target, they would cease the experiment because they didn't want to overfeed the fish. <laughs> uh, and to specify, this, this isn't a typical fish that I've ever seen people do studies on. It was on just domesticated goldfish. <laughs> so they, I'm pretty sure they never actually stated where they got the fish from, but I'm almost certain that they actually just got them from a pet store. <laughs> Amazing. Which is phenomenal. Do you want to say when, like what they uh, specified as a positive result? So in... I'm gonna have to find this now. It was within eight inches of the target. So you don't have to like hit it with the, <laughs> the tank or the vehicle, the FOV. You just had to be- The fish operated vehicle. Yeah, they had like a little space around it to be like, oh, the fish is obviously directed towards this target. And that was eight inches in any directional vector away from the target. They did this experiment on six fish total. Oh. And they repeated these experiments in slightly different conditions each time. So in the first set of experiments where they literally just put the tank in the, the room mm -hmm. and they didn't give them any like initial ex description initially, they showed that by session 15 um, of the experiment repeats, all six of the fish were able to successfully navigate towards that stationary target to receive their treat. <laughs> Amazing. Um, which was incredible. And it wasn't even like just a mild increase, they had a nearly fourfold increase in successful trials compared to their first session. So their first session of 30 minutes, uh, they averaged about four successful trials to get to the target. By session uh, 15, which was the uh, one fish made it to, excuse me, two fish made it to uh, session 15, um, the other four fish dropped out at around session 12 and that's just because they reached the session exclusion oh. criteria oh. averaged 17 successful trials in 30 minutes they are zooming <laughs> they are zooming um and so again like it's they terrifying yeah so they repeated these experiments in slightly different ways because they wanted to kind of eliminate certain like aspects of uh, cognition and learning from navigation skills um, so again, that first trial was basically just being like, can they just physically navigate within a terrain, uh, terrestrial uh, environment to successfully get to a target of interest? The next trial, which they did show to work, but they also were like, this might just be a learned behavior. Yeah. So the next thing they wanted to do was condition it with decoy targets. So they repeated oh. the experiment um, where they tried to get these same fish after, I believe it was two days of no experimentation. So basically the fish would basically learn, uh, forget how to like, what the conditions were. Mm -hmm. um, they repeated the experiments, but on each four of the main walls, and this is actually uh, shown here, and I could show Claire this, uh, they had the red target of interest and then three different colored targets as well on three separate walls. And the experiment again was they would put the fish within that uh, terrestrial uh, environment and then they would only give them a treat if they reached the red target and they showed that not only were the fish capable of again distinguishing between different targets mm -hmm. they were also directing themselves initially towards a target that they knew was of benefit to them however they realized again after this second control that they might have misinterpreted like what they were learning oh. because the target of interest was on the same initial wall right. in the second experiment as it was in the initial experiment. 
-hmm. So then they repeated the decoy experiment in two different ways. They repeated it with the mimicking the first experiment with only one colored target on a wall mm -hmm. but they moved it to different walls in different locations on the wall mm -hmm. uh, and they did show that the fish were able to navigate successfully not towards the initial wall but towards the target okay. so they were able to actually have um like proprioception of where they are in relation to a target as opposed to proprioception of a learned memory of yeah. just swimming toward like a certain direction and hitting sure like if you picture. closed your eyes could you navigate from your childhood bedroom to the kitchen exactly uh and then they repeated it again a third time where they did it in conjunction where they had decoy and a change in location and this is again just like different target of uh, different uh, track locations mm -hmm. so the way that they they really measured this is they uh, had a camera over top of the room and they measured the path of the vehicle <laughs> and they do show that in when they change the location target that fish still are able again to locate the target of interest and navigate towards it pretty successfully actually. Yeah, this is a direct shot on the opposite side of the room so they couldn't initially even see it really mm. and then when they add the decoy locations with the location change of the initial target they do still see a directional navigation towards the target of interest um, without distraction from different locations or even going back towards the initial location that a target was on so not only does the last experiment the decoy plus a location change experiment show that they aren't distracted by decoys they aren't they also aren't distracted by decoys when the initial location of the target of benefit is changed. So imagine if you were in a room and mm -hmm. you were told to hit the red button on the wall and it was always on the same wall mm -hmm. uh, and then you went into a new room and the location of the button was actually on a different wall but there was a separate different colored button that was on the same wall that all the other initial benefit buttons was on <laughs> like they're basically showing that they aren't just instinctively going towards a place that they yeah. think is beneficial to them they know that that benefit is associated not only with moving towards a location but also moving towards a specific location which is a more complex form yeah. of navigation yeah so the experiment itself is really short and very simple like it probably only took them like a few weeks to collect all of this data i'm just imagining someone it's their first day in this new research laboratory <laughs> they open the wrong door and it's just a fish by itself driving <laughs> around a little tank it was it was wild to me and so they they make a, a couple of conclusions here at the end which is very interesting because they because this like aspect of navigation is, is very complicated and yeah. it's not super well understood especially for non-human animals we have as humans a level of cognition that allows us to make really complex maps and those are not inherently easy to understand you have to have high levels of education uh, well not high levels but you need to have education to not only read but also understand location symbols things like that mm -hmm. animals don't have that benefit Mainly because they don't have opposable thumbs, so they can't draw <laughs> shit. But um, they still have some inherent understanding of location, mm -hmm. proprioception, mm -hmm. uh, benefit versus negative consequences of certain locations and environments. Mm -hmm. And this experiment really was trying to understand like more in depth how those things might relate if you take like an animal out of its natural habitat and put it somewhere new. And so they're able to show that these skills of navigation aren't dependent on a specific environment in which the animal uh, exists in naturally, 
they are interdependent of that status. So these skills of navigation are actually inherent to the animal itself, mm. not to the environment that it's been either mm -hmm. like living in or raised in, which really raises the question about what are the like the natural processes of understanding this navigation and mm -hmm. it's they hypothesize is a combination of things not only is it kind of like a learned behavior mm -hmm. which all navigation truly is it's a learned behavior and i have not quite mastered it <laughs> um but that it's it's coupled with more complex and higher reasoning thinking not necessarily human level thinking because again these are goldfish so i don't yeah. i really don't want to like get people thinking that like the next great evolutionary step in animals is going to be fish learning how to do things um i will be honest when you started talking about fish operated vehicles i was picturing like a little fish sitting in like a car shaped <laughs> tank with a little steering wheel between its fins uh yeah sorry <laughs> continue unfortunately i don't think that's going to be the next step on this on this experiment um but it, it does show that um these skills of navigation and location and environmental awareness are not specifically linked to a certain thing other than the natural inherent abilities and skills that are developed in these animals. What is interesting is they also pointed out that what they wanted, one thing they didn't like include in the experiment, but they thought might be interesting to investigate is uh, the effect of actual like loss of proprioception and loss mm -hmm. of, of that uh, physical awareness due to gravity. Um, and so there have been a number of studies, actually, and I was unaware of this, where rats were exposed to partial or complete loss of gravity. Oh, <laughs> and they also underwent uh, like this domain transfer methodology. And they revealed that uh, several behaviors were more frequent uh, when they lost gravity than when they were in regular gravity. So that some of this stuff that they are investigating here, this like navigation, might have some inherent um, reliability on a gravitational perception. Um, so guess, they can understand like their position in uh, response to certain things. I guess whales, you know, that dive deep or fish that dive deep, they have to know. Exactly. Yeah, are. exactly. And like a lot of, of their ability to like change depth has to do with uh, their gas bubble. Uh, that they have internally to help them like fight buoyant voice uh forces buoyant voices uh buoyant <laughs> forces and so understanding that relation to gravity is something which we all do like we all inherently know like if you jump and there's nothing underneath you you're just gonna fall animals have that same sense is that these skills on like navigation and location detection and uh benefit versus negative like uh, locational movement mm -hmm. has some rooted occurrence in like gravitational force. The last thing I do want to mention in this, and it's something that honestly, like if I was more skilled, I would be very interested in seeing, is mm -hmm. that the uh, software that they built on Python uh -huh. and the directions on the equipment <laughs> and the actual <laughs> building of the FOV uh -huh. is open access. <laughs> So oh, there is amazing. actually an article that they cite from their own lab uh -huh. that gives the directions not only on how to upload and build the... Uh-huh. FOV? Yes, thank you. Yeah, oh my god, the FOV, but also the program in which to analyze the data Hell, and track the yeah. software. It's, it's hilarious that the article itself is not open access, but <laughs> the way to build the machine is open access. So, moral of the story is listeners some homework for you <laughs> yeah 
teach a fish how to drive a car. Yeah, so it, so really in summary is that like, if you're worried about aquatic animals coming from the deep and- Always. And just like, I don't know, like running ravage across terrestrial like civilization, you should worry about that because they will be able to navigate it. <laughs> well, okay, I have a question. Yes. Um, so they said, you know, part of it is innate, part of it maybe environment, you know, learning. What about animals like the monarch butterfly, where it takes, it's more than one generation to navigate south right. and back. It's like multiple different. That's a great it's question. It's not even returning to where it is from, but not even where it's parents from, but it's like great, great grand butterfly yes. is from. So that's that's a very interesting question and actually relates to a couple of other avian species. Mm -hmm. So there's a really interesting book, not to like completely get off target from this paper, but it is, I guess, kind of related to the last point about gravity, um, <laughs> is that a lot of like birds mm -hmm. and butterflies, especially the monarch butterfly, rely on different ways of navigation than we do. Electromagnetic fields is actually a really mm -hmm. common one. So they're going um, to away or towards the North Pole. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a really interesting book, as I was saying, uh, called like Life on the Edge, Quantum Mechanics and Biology. <laughs> I will say I have read it, so I'm really just like You're sealing. I'm really leaning into this. Um, and there's a really interesting chapter on birds and butterflies on like navigational forces that they use. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of evidence that suggests that there are aspects of quantum mechanics that they utilize, not knowingly, but they okay. utilize in order to successfully and very specifically navigate themselves over long distances. Wow. So again, that gets back to that like, in, like learn versus innate mm -hmm. ability of navigation in animals. Mm -hmm. This paper really kind of suggests that, not getting into the complexity of quantum mechanics, that <laughs> that there are inherent navigational abilities of animals, even if you remove them from a very well-known environment and put them in an environment that is completely segregated from their understanding. So again, like aquatic animals do not understand the navigational tools used on terrestrial that animals in the terrestrial environment use because they're different. Mm -hmm. And then even more so than that, they make the claim, or at least they show evidence that even if they only have a partial exposure to that environment, as in they were in a tank, so they were not just fish flopping on the ground trying to get to a target. They were still in an aquatic sure. innate environment, but if you remove them from a total aquatic environment and put them in an environment where they have to navigate terrestrially, they can still do that successfully. These They showed evidence that even though they kept these fish in a very kind of low level of water, they showed that they had very little movement in the, in the wide plane, so going up and down. They showed pretty exclusively that after a few sessions, these fish were only swimming across the X and Z plane, so forward and backwards and side to side, um, which is really kind of disturbing <laughs> but kind of interesting that they realized that moving up and down didn't mitigate them any successful movement towards their target so that's terrifying it is yeah so i hope everyone sleeps terribly at night because i did what I <laughs> this is the sequel slash child of finding nemo and wally i think <laughs> yeah it's it's the, the the what is that the uh the final insert in the trilogy of finding nemo <laughs> Oh yeah, finding finding Darla, Nemo. finding Darla. <laughs> 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 to kill her. 
Sorry, that took a really dark, dark turn on a really kind of uplifting Pixar movie. <laughs> but I want to see that. Well. It's kind of like John Wick, but for fish and against Darla. John Fish. John Fish. <laughs> All right. All right. So that's it for this week. See you guys next time. Yep. Yeah.